Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Every week, it's my goal to share a story of someone's journey through their life and financial vineyard. We take you from their roots to the journey of their vines and the influences in the air that have helped craft their delicious lives. Like wine, life and finances have different palettes that should be celebrated and not judged. Welcome to this edition of Wine and Dime with Amy Irvine. As many of you know, I'm once again taking 2021, just like I did with 2020, as an opportunity to travel the world with my taste buds. Wine is one of my pleasures, I'll say, and I really enjoy sitting around having a great glass of wine. But sometimes you just want an average glass of wine just to have around the house. And my husband and I have recently purchased, and we can't believe we actually like it, a boxed wine. Yes, you heard it from my mouth, a boxed wine. It's a Malbec and it comes in a nice little box and it can sit out and I don't have to worry about it spoiling, never gets air in it. Boda Box is the name of it. I don't get paid from uh, recommending them, but I just thought I would share with everybody that like I always say, every journey is different. When I'm looking for just a nice, smooth Malbec, glass of wine, nothing special, everyday type thing, there you go. It's scents on the ounces and it's very enjoyable actually. So it just goes to show that something doesn't have to come in its normal package to actually be enjoyable. All right, that's my tip of want for wine for the week. I actually wanted to open up the month of February with an idea that to share with you and that's about creating a yearly action plan. Now you'll notice that the title of this podcast is Up Your Assets. Yep, that's right. Up Your Assets. And for those of you that read the blog, you know that I wrote about this a little bit in this week's blog to say that that actually comes from when I was in college. That phrase does. Yes, college. Yeah. 31 years ago. And uh, I was part of an accounting club and we were trying to sell some fundraiser or something like that. Yes, I know. I was part of an accounting club. For those of you that want to just love that a little bit, how geeky I was. I loved my accounting club and we had a fundraiser, as I mentioned, and one of the phrases underneath the club name was up your assets. So I thought, wouldn't it be fun to spend a to spend the month of February actually talking to people about how to up their assets? Hey, tongue in cheek, it's all fun, right? Well, part of that comes from a yearly action plan. So I have a spreadsheet. What's well, not a spreadsheet? It's a worksheet that I'm going to put in the show notes for you to be able to work off from. Feel free to download it, print it, share this with your friends. And while you're there, like our show, we're just still trying to grow the fun of finance and wine out there. And we can do that with your assistance. What's on this yearly action plan? Well, first, as with anything else, we want you to start with your top three goals. What do you want to make progress with this year? 
Is it your finances, like your spending plan? Is it you want to increase your 401k contribution? Is it that you want to pay down debt? Whatever the goals are for this year, write the top three, only the top three. Then we want you to go through and list the biggest roadblocks for this year. That's it, just the biggest roadblocks. What could slow your progress towards these goals? Could it be a job layoff? Could it be a relocation? Could it be the kids get sick? Could it be an unexpected expense? Just list those three roadblocks. Maybe it's an income stream that we need to look at. List those roadblocks and that'll be part two of filling out the worksheet. Then take time to schedule to work on your finances. It's so important to take the time to work on your finances. Finances don't just happen. It's not something like we just breathe. Finances are something we need to put time aside for. So if you could just dedicate 30 minutes weekly, just 30 minutes weekly towards your finances and put it on your calendar at a specific day, a specific time, then it really does make that money date. Now, Brent and I have something very similar to that on the calendar where we review things once a week, talk about what expenses are coming up. Um, We don't officially call it a money date, but it's something that it's early in the morning when the rest of the world is probably still sleeping, but we're out drinking coffee so we can pull up the um, computer and we can look at things and, and talk through it. Then dedicate two hours a month. So now we're up to two and a half hours. That's all um, where you will just sort of sit and look at your spending and really be committed to the time that you're going to spend. I suppose you shouldn't say it's maybe it's two and a half, maybe it's two hours in total, but depending on the month and how many weeks there are, just say that you're going to have two, two and a half hours a month that you're going to be committed to your expenses. What day of the week, what time of the week and, and all of that, if you can commit to that and put it on your calendar, great. Then we're going to have you look at your ratios as part of this time that you're setting aside to work on your finances. We want you to start thinking about ratios. Ratios are a way that we can measure the increase of our wealth, of our assets, of our financial well-being. First of all, we're going to have you take a look at your emergency funds. How long could you live on your emergency funds financially? If something happened to you, you, your spouse, your significant other, and the income wasn't there, how long could you actually cash flow your finances? What's that ratio? Is it a quarter of a year? Is it a half of a year? Is it a whole year? What's the ratio of your expenses to emergency fund? So first, of course, if you followed what we said in uh, January, you got organized, you started a spending plan. So you actually know how much you're spending per month. So if your emergency fund, let's say, is $10,000, you have $10,000 set aside in an emergency fund account, and your normal monthly expenses, just for easy math, is $2,000. We'll divide 2,000 by 10,000 and you have a 20% ratio of emergency funds to uh, the income that you actually, uh, or that the uh, expenses that you actually have. So your, your expenses or your emergency fund would last you five months in that situation. It's important to know that. Then also, in the, the if you're a single income earner, you should have three months. Uh, if you're a double income earner, then you might want to have 
I'm sorry, I said that wrong. If you're a single person, you might want to have six months. If you're a double income earner, you would say three months. Then you want to know your credit score, right? A lot of places are offering that for free now, but know your credit score. Credit score really relates to what kind of interest rate could you get if you borrowed money? Would you have a line of credit that is there for emergency purposes for now that you hope to never have to use? Well, if you need to use it, it's going to be based on your credit score. Know your credit score and track your credit score. That can be an advancement of wealth. Then also know your average tax rate. How much are you paying in taxes? Don't forget to include your state and local taxes in that figure. Take into consideration Social Security, Medicare, federal, state, and local income tax. That's your general average tax rate. And when you look at that, so let's say again, for easy math, let's say that you uh, you earn about $40,000. If your general average tax rate is 30%, that means that you spend $12,000 in taxes per year. And that means that from a spending perspective, you actually only have $28,000 that you can spend. It's important to know that also the next dollar that you're taxed on what that rate is. So know your average tax rate. You also want to know your debt ratios, your debt to income ratios, especially. This also comes in if you're trying to get approved for something in particular, especially a house or something like that. Making sure that your debt ratios are within a reasonable percentage of your income. If your income is $40,000 and you owe and you have payments of $28,000 per year or in that case, um, you know, $2,330 a month, that's really going to make an impact on your overall ability to pay long-term or if anything goes wrong, that that could actually be um, something that would hurt your credit score. So know your debt ratios and those you want to go down. You want your emergency funds to be better. You want your credit score to be higher. You want your average tax ratio to be not go up, I say. Um, You want your debt ratios to go down and you want your saving ratio. That's another one that we want you to pay attention. You want your savings ratio to go up. The more you can save, the better. When people ask me for, you know, how much should they be saving? I'll say, well, I don't know what your situation is, but start at 14%. That's what your savings ratio should be. Okay. So that's knowing your ratios. And then the next thing that we want you to get into is to determine two factors that you're going to use to check your progress weekly. Your credit score is probably not going to change a lot. Your debt ratio isn't going to change a lot, but maybe your savings ratio or your emergency funds would. Just take two and track it. What's your progress? How are you doing? Are you spending down on your debt? Are you reducing that down? Great. Then your debt to income ratios are going to be decreasing. Take two ratios, track them. Some say weekly, some say monthly. I tend to be you know, semi-annual type person myself. Then talk about who you're going to share your success and biweekly successes with. Somebody in your family, somebody you're close to. Sharing successes can get you motivated. It can help you stay motivated. And you also want to talk about celebrating. Now, I'm not talking about spending money. I'm talking about celebrating when you do one of the things that you want to achieve, achieve one of the goals. What way will you celebrate? For me personally, I love to read non, um, I love to read just in general, but if I can get my hands on a book that's fictional, but historical in nature, that to me is such a treat. 
So it doesn't cost anything, but it's just a couple of hours where I can cuddle up with a book, preferably on the beach for, for me personally. But you may have other ways that you want to celebrate. And so pick that celebra- celebratory option of when you achieve one of your goals, what you're going to do. So that's called the yearly action plan. You should do that each. You should look at that each month and track your progress. We love to think about that as something that is an easy way to up your assets each year and to see your growth and really, you know, not feel like you're overwhelmed with a bunch of numbers and concerns and, you know, trying to dig yourself out too much of of general things. Now, one of the other things that we really, really want you to do in February is to take inventory. We would love it if you would take time to sit down. It can be a spreadsheet. It can be um, a Google doc or a, yeah, a Google sheet if you want. We have a document we'll put in the show notes that you can use. But take time to understand what your inventory is. Really dig in and look to see what do you have as an asset? What are the things that you actually have for um, assets and net worth? We've got a great um, net worth analysis where you can evaluate things like your cash accounts, your investments accounts. There's like a little checklist that we'll give you again in the show notes if you're interested. But if you really want to sit down and figure out your net worth, we have a great chart that you're welcome to model your spreadsheet or Google sheet or piece of paper off from that walks you down through what is an asset. Now you may have other assets that we didn't list. That's perfectly fine. But things like cash, savings, emergency funds, non-retirement investments, the cash value on your life insurance, retirement assets, that could be your 401k or your IRA, a qualified pension, if you have one of those, any kind of annuity or rental property, or if you're a business owner, your business is an asset. And then of course, your personal residence would be an asset. The first step in determining your net worth is to add all of those items up. And if this is the first time you're doing it, you may want to add it up for what it was last year as well. Or you might just want to say, nope, I'm going to start new and I'm going to measure from this point forward. So that's the first part of your net worth. It's knowing your assets. Then we go into liabilities. Liabilities are things like your mortgage. That's what we call an appreciating asset. Your house is usually appreciated in value. Then there's things that are depreciating assets like an auto loan. A car usually depreciates. That's one of the things I often try to not have a loan for a long period of time for because it's a depreciating asset. And if something ever happens to the car, I don't want to be underwater. So uh, you'd have your depreciating assets. Then you have revolving credit. These would be things like line of credit or credit cards. You want to add, put those on the list. And then maybe you have a 401k loan or a student loan. You would want to put those under the liability section as well. You would add all of those up. You would subtract your liabilities from your assets, and that's going to give you your net worth. The idea would be that every single year, you'd have an increase over the prior year. That'd be the ideal situation. And if that doesn't happen, then we want to take a step back and say, what caused you to go the opposite way? So I know this was a quick, short 
fun-filled pack of upping your assets discussion for, for February of 2021. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Stay tuned. We have some great guests for the month of February. We're very excited about their addition to this discussion. And if you have a question you'd like us to answer, we'd be happy to put the, that in the podcast. Just put it in the notes or uh, send us an email and we'll be glad to stick it in. All of that in contact information will be in the show notes. We hope you have a great February and we hope that you've enjoyed the show. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dine. You can contact Amy through the website www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at RootedPG for their latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.